So as we are wrapping up today, we are going to be doing the last in our series of the Freedom Series. Who has just gotten tons out of this Freedom Series? It has been amazing. So, and if you guys ever choose to go to Kairos, it's like that on steroids. It's really, it's unbelievable. So, but we get to wrap it up with our very own Pastor Karen today. She's going to talk about um, shame off you. So let's welcome Pastor Karen. Thank you. All right. Well, there's no shame in this, but does anybody lose their keys in one earring? And it's probably not the same person. I know who's that You know the earring? Okay. I don't think you're going very far. How do I know? I don't know. They're Diane's. Oh, well, blessings to you. Now you get to go home. All right. Okay. Well, praise God. I heard lots of laughter in the room. Um, boy, that does my heart good, ladies. It's so important to connect with one another. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, it would break my heart, and I think it breaks God's heart, that if we walked in and walked out and nobody talked to us, or we didn't make the attempt to connect with other people. So I hope you're enjoying this time. I really have fun at my table. They're really fun. And... Um, we decided that we're going to join the Y, learn to crochet in the bathtub. That's what we thought would be the best way to beat cabin fever. <laughs> They're laughing. <laughs> All right. But um, you know what? I love the definition that Pastor Deb gave a couple weeks ago about what freedom truly is. And there, there's two, two different definitions that I really like. Uh, freedom in Christ, is free to be all that God has created and uniquely designed you to be. I don't think anybody, any of us, should ever feel like there's an end to our personal growth, to our emotional health, to our spiritual growth, and our relationships with one another and with Jesus. You know, if we thought, I've arrived, I don't need any more help, I got this God, um, probably comes before the fall. That's probably not a good place to go. But to be, learn to be free, it's a journey to become all that God has created and uniquely designed you to be because you are unique and he's designed you beautifully and he's already given his stamp of approval on you. But the other one that I really love too is that freedom is not the absence of something but the presence of someone. True freedom comes through Jesus. And so we're always, we're going to talk about maybe some of the symptoms of shame and we're going to try and define it. I don't like to approach things from a real psychological way, but I also think it's important for us to maybe identify some of those things in our lives. But I don't like to major on the, on the negative. I want to major on what our freedom is and what Jesus has called us to be. So let's just pray. Father, this morning I'm asking for an anointing to come upon all who hear and as I speak, Lord, that there will be a truth that will be like a key that unlocks a door for us, unlocks a prison door that maybe we've been held captive in. Prepare our hearts for that, God. I just sense the Holy Spirit is it's like a sense of urgency. He wants us to be free in the area of shame, to, to know that you can be shame-free, shame off you. And so, Father God, lead us this morning. I've got so much to say, but I only want to say what is truly word a word of life 
and that there be no condemnation in this room as things are revealed that we won't be ashamed but that we will be able to leave shameless and shame-free in Jesus' name. And all God's girls said, amen, amen. Well, Galatians 5.1 says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And Pastor Deb um, did a great job of setting that up for us because Jesus came to set us free. So if Jesus came to set us free, has he done that? Are we truly set free? Okay, we're hesitating. Did he lie? Is the Bible not telling the truth about what Jesus came to do? If he said he came to set us free, did he set us free? Okay, thank you. Much better. And it says in the um, Amplified, it says, completely liberating us. Completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery, which you once removed. Ah, Here's the deal. If Jesus came to set us free, then we are truly set free. But why do we not always feel free? And Pastor Deb was talking about that. And I just want to say again, there's no condemnation. Because we live in a fallen world and we deal with emotions. You know, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you live in a body, and your spirit's the only part of you that got saved. So we do have to deal with what's happening in our real world here. But I want to give you an illustration. You know, it's, it's true. I looked this up because I'd heard this um, said before, but I wasn't sure it was true. But apparently, if you want to maybe take it uh, from this example, that in the circus, they will take a baby elephant and put a very heavy chain around one leg, and put a very um, strong and sturdy stake in the ground, and that little elephant is stuck and held captive by this heavy chain. No matter how hard it pulls on that chain, it learns that it is not able to move because it's held captive by that chain. But as that elephant grows, they put a lighter weight chain on that little animal he's getting bigger getting stronger and the stake even gets um, lighter weight and lighter weight until this animal full grown weighing thousands and thousands of pounds will have a simple little lightweight rope wrapped around that leg and a stick in the ground and that elephant thinks that it's not free that elephant acts as though it's held captive because it was trained from a very young age to think that when I see that down there wrapped around my leg, I am not able to go anywhere. And all that elephant would have to do is move that leg and off he would go because he's far more free than he knows. I want to say to you, we are really truly set free, but some of us have a stake in the ground and we've been attached to that thing for so long that we think that we're held in bondage to it. And today, I want us to pull up the stake and move into a new area of freedom and leave today shame-free. Is anybody tracking with me on that? All right. Let's be elephants today. No, let's not be elephants today. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be smarter than the average elephant because the truth is the word of God over what our experience is. If Jesus came for freedom and completely liberated us, then you are truly set free. So let's learn how to take advantage of that freedom. 
All right. I'm a little bit wound up here this morning. All right. Has anybody ever said to you, shame on you? Okay. True confessions here. I have said that to my kids. I have repented. Do you know that God never says shame on you? That God doesn't scold you. He doesn't humiliate you and shame you into obedience. You know what he does? If, he needs, if we need to truly repent, he showers his goodness on us. And Romans 2, 4 says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Not shame-filled living. So I did repent of that. I remember my son walked in one day and I said, how can you sleep at night? Shame on you. And I have had to apologize for that because shame never changed anyone. And here's what shame is. There's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is believing that you have done something wrong. So if you have done something wrong, you admit your guilt, right? But shame is believing that there is something wrong with you. Okay, there's a difference there. Guilt says, I can do better. I made a mistake. Shame says, I'm flawed. There's something wrong with me. Guilt may say, uh, may believe that you do not deserve to be loved because of what you've done. Shame takes it one step farther and says, I'm not lovable. Guilt is believing that you can do better, and shame is believing that there's no hope for you to change. It carries hopelessness. I'm stuck. I've got a chain that's been on my leg and a stake that's been in the ground for so long that I know there's just no way that anything is ever going to change. And it's a toxic presence in our lives. Christine Kane has a wonderful DVD series that actually our Monday Night Bible Study has been going through, and it's, it's called Shameless, Shame-Free Living. And um, so some, some of these things that I gleaned from that, I want to share with you this morning. And she says, shame carries blame and brokenness. And we need to learn to separate the who from the do. The who from the do, she says. You are not defined by what you do. Because if you are, then every time you make a mistake, that means that you're a failure. That you're, it's, see, it's a difference between saying, you know, I made a mistake, I failed, or saying, I am a failure. Do you see how it takes on an identity that's different from your actions? So your who needs to be defined by what God, who God says you are, not by our past, our experience, our successes, or our failures. Okay? And I say this all the time because I like to be reminded myself, God is not impressed with your title. And you can call me pastor all you want, but I'm still, I'm just a girl that needs to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus just the same as everybody. And I'm walking it out with you. And I have my failures and I've gone through my wilderness and I've gone through lots of things too. But on the other side of that, I'm so thankful that Jesus has carried our shame. And he tells me who I am. And that title doesn't impress him. He says, I would rather you know that you're a child of mine. I would rather you know how precious you are to me. My title doesn't make me precious. 
Child of God makes me precious. Daughter of the King makes me precious. It's whose I am, not what I do, not what I have not done. It's not what someone has done to you that gives you your identity. If we will look and connect with the identity of who Jesus says you are, and he paid the highest price for you to be able to enjoy that relationship with him. But we might, might fall into the trap of a comparison. I'm not enough. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. You don't have to raise your hand, but I think that's one of the Satan's most, what do you say, successful devices that he uses on us. You're just not enough. You don't have what it takes. Do you know how often I hear that? And I have to answer that. You're not enough. Or maybe you hear, I'm too much. Maybe you're just too much. That causes us to be ashamed to ask for help. We don't, oftentimes, when we're walking in that mindset, we won't set boundaries because we don't feel like we're valued enough or worth valuing enough to set boundaries for yourself, for other people, how they, you allow them to treat you. You may feel unwanted, abused because of failed relationships, maybe. Inadequacy, not pretty enough, not thin enough. Too pretty. No, that's probably not usually the case, right? We always can find something, right? Not young enough. Not old enough. Just not enough. But see, shame wants to declare you disqualified based on your due. So that you will take on an identity that you're just not enough of inadequacy. Flawed. There's something wrong with me. But can you see how this is a never-ending cycle of self-criticism? And the Lord dropped this word in my heart. I said, Lord, where, where does that fit? But I just feel like there may be some women here. Again, you don't need to raise your hand. But I just sensed in the spirit that there, was, there are women here who really walk in a lot of self-loathing. Self-loathing was the word that he said to me. And ladies, you are so precious. You just don't know how precious you are. And so this morning, I pray, I pray that you will open your heart and be willing, willing to bring yourself to a place where you're going to receive some truth in that area. Here's what happens. The devil is always trying to, to get us to be self-occupied. So he stirs up all these insecurities. He whispers everything, you know, these things into your ear. And guess what? Everything he says is a what? Lie. And if it's a lie, why in the world are we believing a liar? Okay, ask yourself that. Should we be believing? First, you have to recognize that anything that brings condemnation and shame and makes you feel like you're not enough, that's the voice of the accuser of the brethren. Amen. And so what we do, we need an answer for that, don't we? But he's always trying to get us to be self-occupied instead of Jesus-occupied, self-focused instead of Jesus-focused. Do you know that you were not created for shame? goes all the way back to the garden. It seems like every time I teach, we go back to the garden. It's the beginning, right? So Genesis 2.25 um, is after creation, uh, you know, God places the man and the woman in the beautiful, perfect garden that he's created for them. And it's in verse 25, it says, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed or embarrassed. They were naked and they were not ashamed or embarrassed. That was our beginnings, ladies. Okay. 
I'm not going to go into the naked part, you know, and hiding in the closet when you're putting your jammies on. And I'm not going to go there. All right. But to be able to be naked and unashamed before God, naked in our emotions, raw in how we're really feeling, it's okay to bring them to him and then invite him into that negative place so that he can bring you to a better place. But see, what happens, what happened after they sinned is they became ashamed, didn't they? And they hid themselves from God. They were embarrassed by their nakedness in front of God. That's where shame came. And then the blame game began. They began to point fingers at one another. It's your fault. No, it's your fault. It's the snake's fault. But shame caused them to run away from God just like we tend to stand outside the throne room and say, I sure wish I could enter into worship, but, you know, I'm just, I don't read my Bible enough. I don't know anything about God. I, I, I don't feel like I'm, I, I need to fix myself before I come into the presence of God. And I was speaking with these lovely ladies, and, and it, isn't that kind of like we feel like we have to clean ourselves up before I can go into the throne room and have this intimate relationship with God? But isn't that like, Cleaning your house before the maid comes. Isn't it kind of like that? Because he invites us to come just as we are. And he accepts us and he approves us just as we are. And we don't hide anything from him anyway, so just come. Right? You don't have to clean yourself up before you come and stand in the very presence of God. But shame will want you to feel like you're less. And it will take away your dignity. And it may cause us to hide our wounds from the past. God showed me something that I thought was really amazing because a lot of times we try to hide scars. Um, you know, we might try and put a little extra makeup on it or, you know, we never wear clothing, you know, that would reveal a, a scar from the past. And it might, I'm talking about physical scars, obviously. But they might carry a little bit of shame, of embarrassment. But let me just remind you that even Jesus Christ had scars. Here's the perfect son of God, and they nail-pierced his hands, they nail-pierced his feet, and they stuck a sword in his side, and when he was resurrected in his perfect form, he still had scars. Evidence of the brutality and the, the kind of death that he, he died on the cross, but when he appeared to the um, 120 in the upper room, unfortunately, Thomas wasn't there. And so when he came back, they said, you'll never believe this, but Jesus was here. Of course, they were hiding because they thought he was dead. The tomb was empty, couldn't quite figure it out what had happened. And suddenly Jesus is standing among them and he shows them his hands and his feet. And the scar on his side. So there was no way that they could deny what Jesus had done. He truly died. And the scars became his trophy. And I love the way Christine Kane says that. Your scars can be your trophy, the testimony of God's goodness and grace to bring you out of that situation and to bring you to a new place today of, of living above whatever the scar was caused from. But Thomas had to be proved to him. Um, and Jesus was so gracious and kind to him. Hey, look, got holes in my hands. Sunlight shining through. 
It really happened. You can put your hand in my side, and then Thomas believed. But I would say, let's not be doubting Thomas's. He said, I won't believe until I see it. Let's believe it because God says it, and it's true. Amen. So don't hide your scars. You can treat your scars like trophies that God's goodness delivered you from that. Ephesians 5, 8 through 13 in the New International Version says this, For once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And I would say that deep wounds will continue to fester and infect until they are revealed to the light. We oftentimes try to hide those things of the past. But if we don't reveal them to the light... They're allowed to continue to fester. <clears throat> a little while ago, it got back to me something that someone said about me. And it was a true attack on my character. And it was very difficult for me, and this was a long time ago, but it was very difficult for me to handle that um, because I always have to work through not being a people pleaser first, but a God pleaser always, but it really hurt. It really hurt a lot. It felt like a betrayal. And so I'm trying to deal with this. And, you know, this is where that title was nagging at me. So the accuser of the brethren came and said, you're a pastor for Pete's sake. You have to, you have to forgive her. Well, but I don't want to. But so I'm asking God to help me to forgive, help me to forgive. And so I would go through the choice. Yes, Jesus, I know that I'm going to forgive not because... She's going to say she's sorry, not because she's uh, deserving of it. It's because I'm making a choice. And I'm going to take her off of my hook of responsibility and put her on yours. And I know, Lord, that I can walk free from this. But I wasn't walking free from it. And it was kind of all-consuming. And it kept bothering me and kept bothering me. And then I get mad all over again. And then I get sad all over again. And I finally got exhausted and just went to God and said, Why can't I get past this thing? I want to get past this thing. I want to really forgive. Show me what I need to do and this is what he showed me he said Karen he said until you get that deep wound healed you'll never get past it so would you invite me in to heal the wound first because I was just going on to the forgiveness part and that's important but he said let me heal the wound first and the forgiveness came because I was still hurting and that's what was causing me to feel stuck so, yes, we need to forgive, but it is a deep wound that I hadn't revealed to the light to allow the light and life of God into that place. And he reassured me. It's like, you know what? What people say about you doesn't define you. Who I say you are defines you. And he brought me back to truth because I was believing a lie. And that's the only thing that, that's the only power that the devil has over us. Do you realize that? Because when Jesus died, the devil thought he had won. But when Jesus went down to hell, as we know he descended, he whooped the devil. And he stripped him of every weapon that he could ever use against us. And the only thing he has left in his arsenal against you are lies. And that's why he wants to speak to your mind. And if you're listening to him and you agree with him, now your reality, what you think is true, is really a lie. And that's called deception, isn't it? So that's the only power he has. So we need to be wise. We need to call him out and recognize. So let's go through what maybe shame 
can oftentimes look like. But I would say that even a bee sting will continue to hurt and swell and fester until the stinger is removed. So I want to remove some stingers this morning, okay? All right, so shame can create an inner experience of not being wanted. You may feel like you're damaged goods. How can God use me? Worthless, not valued, a reject or rejected. You're just no good. You're bad. An outcast, always on the outside looking in, a sense of not belonging, incompetent, inadequate, unacceptable, disconnected, and it may cause us to get into uh, perfectionism and performance. And so we work overtime to prove our goodness by what we do. But we've gotten our do and our who mixed up again, haven't we? All right. And it oftentimes leaves us feeling powerless and helpless. But it may cause us in this perfectionism to be controlling, rigid, and because we are compensating for not having felt a sense of being loved. And oftentimes this goes way back into our early years. And God bless our parents. They didn't do it all right. They didn't do it all perfectly. Parents parent from the, either the, the fullness of what's inside. And if, it's, if they're hurting, they may parent out of their hurt and then cause hurt to us. But thank God that we are not chained to that stake amen because now we have to go beyond some of the hurts that were inflicted as a child and receive that new identity and that new freedom in Jesus it's stronger than anything that we could have ever experienced but that unconditional love was not in your home but the approval always came when you performed well and then we transfer that to God and say oh God I'm going to be as spiritual as I can, and when we fail, then we take on this, there's something wrong with me. I'm flawed. And it's a, it's a vicious cycle because you will never be able to perform enough to feel loved enough because he already loves you perfectly. You just didn't know it. <laughs> and he doesn't ask you to perform. He just asks you to come, right? Don't clean your house before the maid comes. All right. So sometimes at the center of that shame-filled way of seeing and thinking is depression and it's oftentimes marked by alienation and that's I really believe that what Pastor Ryan spoke to that orphan spirit that sense of isolation I'll never feel a part of what God says I am you stop short at the door of the throne room because you don't feel like you can go in and that's an alienation. And depression oftentimes um, is because of a sense of loss. And the loss is really the loss of valued self. And it's missing. The shame-bound person has love that came from conditional love and not unconditional. We desperately need to know three things. A sense of belonging, a sense of worth and value, and a sense of being competent. 
And if those, any one of those three things are missing, we might be walking in some areas of shame. So shame is where judgment and inner vow is directed towards yourself. There's something wrong with me. And it puts us in a place of just believing lies. And it handcuffs you to your past. It, you allow your past to define you. And sometimes we can't seem to get past our past. But this is the hardest one. It causes us to not be able to receive love. And if we can't receive love from God the Father, then it's going to be something that's difficult in all of our relationships. Because we don't feel like we're worth loving. But God says you are. And God says those are the lies, the core lies from the pit of hell and the deception that Satan wants us to walk in. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone fails, but that doesn't make you a failure. We may have failed relationships. We may have failed businesses. We may feel like we've failed our children but, or your husband or, or family members. But God says that those things are not hidden from him. But he can come and remove the shame from that. And he wants you to walk free from our mistakes. He says that he makes all things new. He forgets the sin as far as the east is from the west and remembers our sin no more. And he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. When we come to him, he removes the condemnation and the shame that we share and that we carry. Isaiah 54, 4 through 5 says, Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. And God is just saying, your past may have been shameful. We've done things. We've made mistakes. But he says, you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember that reproach. We do not have to be, be defined by the mistakes of our youth or our past. And this is why, because Jesus took our shame. And here's what I want us to say today. Shame off me. Shame on him. Because when Jesus went to the cross, he was shamed and humiliated not just for no particular reason, because he carried our shame for us so that you would not have to. He wants to restore your dignity because his dignity was stolen. During the whole process of the crucifixion, he was spit upon. He was beaten, brutally beaten. He was stripped naked before um, soldiers. He was hung naked on a cross. How humility, how embarrassing, how shameful that was for him. And the reason that that happened to him is so that you would not have to carry your own shame. And he took it to the cross. He shed blood. He paid the price for you to be able to walk shame free today. That crown of thorns that was put on his head and they beat it into his, his, his scalp and blood poured down. That was precious blood. That was precious, perfect blood. And it was the blood sacrifice that it takes for us to be free, especially today that we're talking about shame. So we say, shame off me. Can you say that? Shame off me. My shame on Jesus. 
We thank you for carrying that shame for us, Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising and ignoring the shame despising and ignoring the shame why is that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God because he said it is finished he completed a work so that we do not have to walk in that shame and here's a promise I want you to hang on to this morning Isaiah 61 7 says instead of your shame you will have double honor. Instead of your shame, you will have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Do you want to trade in your shame for double honor this morning? Do you see the exchange that's going on because of the cross? God will take your shame and give you double honor. And he wants us to um, allow him to give us joy. You know what rejoice is? It's restoring of a joy that once was there, right? Rejoice. All right, so he's got to give us joy in place of confusion. And then he says, therefore in their land they shall possess double. The story about the children of Israel who were once slaves in Egypt Moses became their leader. He leads them out on a journey that, to the promised land. There was a promise that God had made, right? And so as he's leading them out, so many things happen. You know all the stories. They, they rebelled, and um, there were just all kinds of uh, uh, murmurings and whinings. And they said, bring us back to Egypt. At least we could eat onions. It's like, who wants to go back to Egypt and be slaves again? But they didn't understand their freedom. And do you know that the distance between the place where they were slaves and the place of their promise of freedom should have taken them 11 days. It's an 11-day journey. And how many years did they wander in the wilderness? 40. And at one point, they got right to the edge of the promised land. They looked in, and they saw giants. I said, oh, okay, that's it. We, that, if that's the promised land, then we don't want it. And that's why they wandered for 40 years. They were right at the edge of taking the promise and going in and possessing the land. And the reason they didn't get to enjoy the promised land is because they didn't go in and possess it. And you could be standing right at the, the river's edge looking into what looks like, God, I wish I could live like that. I would love to be shame-free. I would love to feel like my identity is wrapped up in you and not be so hurt by other people's uh, de definition of who I am. I would love to be that. But it just seems so far away. And God says, go in and possess the land. If you will trust him, he will help you to go in and defeat the giants in your life and go in and possess the land. And I'm want to encourage you today that we can do that. And we do that and we believe we just simply have to ask God to wash our thinking, to give us new ways of, of believing and to take the truth of the word of God and allow it to truly set you free in the area of shame. I am not listening to the lies of the devil anymore. That is not who I am. I am who God says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm redeemed. 
I'm treasured. If I were the only one that needed a Savior, Jesus would have come just for me. That's how much he loves me. He, Jesus told the story about the, 99, the, the, the good shepherd who left the 99 sheep just to go find one. If you feel like you're just that one, you've been wandering in your wilderness, God is on your case. He is following hard after you. If you allow him, he will bring you back into the fold. You come in and possess the land this morning, ladies. Hebrews 12 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us strip off and throw aside anything that is hindering us, any unnecessary weight and that sin which so readily clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed race that is set before us. And here's what we do. Looking away from all that will distract and looking only to Jesus. I'm pointing you to Jesus. He's got promises for you, and he wants you to go in and possess him. Knowing that, he has qualified you. He has made you righteous, not because you're doing so great, not because you do everything right, because none of us do, but because Jesus did it all right, didn't he? Don't be self-focused anymore. I'm going to be Jesus-focused. Jesus, you did it for me. You did for me something that I could never do for myself, and that qualifies me to be your daughter. That qualifies me to go possess those promises. They're for me. They're mine. They're mine. We say, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. What you desire in Jesus can only be done by him. All we need to do is be like that baby and trust Fall asleep in the arms of the one who loves you perfectly. And trust that he will do that work inside of you. If you will expose the wound, invite the light and the healing love of God to come in, I know you will be set free. In fact, you're already free. I declare freedom over you in Jesus' name. Once again, he for the joy, and this is Jesus, of obtaining the prize that was set before him, he endured the cross on our behalf, despising and ignoring the shame. So Jesus took our shame and gave us a new identity. Do you know that you're not a curse? Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Once again, taking our place so that we are not the curse. You are not damaged goods. God has redeemed you. And the curse has been broken. He has reversed the curse because of what he has done. Do you know how valuable and precious you are to God? Do you know that you were not created for shame? Do you know that you can stand bare naked before him and be unashamed? Because he loves you just the way you are. And all those areas that we feel like we need to be changed, let him do it. Because I said, God, I'm, that's for me. I'm possessing that promise. You told me to go in and possess the land. Ladies, I feel like we are standing at the riverbank looking over into our promised land this morning. And he's inviting you to say, I have qualified you to walk in every promise if you'll just receive it. I call you lovable. I call you precious. 
Let me define who you are. Leave the past in the past. Today's a new day, a new direction. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for revealing maybe areas that we've walked in where we've hid behind inadequacy and insecurities. Father, thank you that we don't have to stay there. That every precious promise is for each and every one of us if we'll go in and possess the land. Thank you that we are not a dumb elephant with a, a, a light chain and a stake in the ground. We are no longer deceived to think that we're stuck. But Father God, move us on. We're pulling up our stakes. We're breaking camp. We're crossing the river, and we're going in to possess the precious promises. Father, show us what those are. Freedom from shame. Not being defined by our past. Family shame. Words that were spoken. We break our agreement with that, and we receive the truth in its place. Father, who do you say I am? Would you just ask him? <clears throat> I receive the truth of my identity in you, God. Not looking around. Not trying to prove myself anymore. Thank you, Lord, for relieving me from the stress of performance before you. Thank you that I don't have to prove myself to you. And that you love me just the way I am. Now I'm going to receive that by faith in Jesus' name. That's mine. That's yours. Thank you for that, Lord. So, Father God, as we... As we speak together, as we share together today, Father, we just thank you that hearts are being healed, that deep wounds. We invite you to come and shed your healing light and life in those areas. God doesn't want you to hurt anymore. And we walk in forgiveness toward people who may have hurt us unfairly, unjustly. Heal the wound. And I choose to forgive. And thank you for new direction and new vision here this morning. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you for bringing us to our promised land this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.